0: The title of the message is, the title of the book could be your name. The title of the book of Jonah could actually be your name. I want you to imagine a scenario, all right? How many of you believe the Lord Speaks, he communicates to us. Could you raise your hand, just out of curiosity? You bet. Now he has spoken to us; he's revealed himself in the personal work of Jesus. But does the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, take the truth of the Word of God and bring it afresh to our hearts? You better believe it. And that's that's a divine interaction. Could you imagine? I want you to imagine this sinner personalize this. Imagine the Lord coming to you and saying, "Okay, look, I got a mission for you. Okay, and listen, my calling uh, is my enabling." So if I call you to do it, you know, I'm going to enable you to do it, right? So look, here's my call. I want you to go to Mosul. I want you to get on a plane, and I want you to go to Mosul. You're thinking, Mosul, I've I've heard about Mosul, you know. Mosul, isn't that the headquarters of ISIS? Yeah. Actually, that's modern-day Nineveh. So I want you to go to Mosul, and I want you to walk around the city of Mosul, and I just want you to proclaim this. And look, my calling is you're enabling, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to strengthen you, okay? And I want you just to say, hey, look, Moses, I'm telling you right now, you guys need to repent. Change the way you think, get it right vertically with Almighty God, and let me specify whom Almighty God is. You need to worship the Lord God of Israel. And if you don't do it, you're going to be judged. Oh, I'm telling you right now, God is going to majorly, he's going to wipe out the city. He will judge your city. Repent or you will seriously try to personalize that it's like get on the plane go to Mosul I know I could probably speak for you at this point I mean look that's dangerous how many of you would say it's a little dangerous could you raise your yeah that's dangerous and I wouldn't be surprised some of us would be questioning the Lord's strategy on this Lord, I mean, you know, a recent Republican debate, I mean, you basically, you had some of the guys saying, what we need to do with Mosul is carpet bomb it, you know what I mean? I mean, not go there and offer a second chance in the name of the Lord God of Israel, you know? It's like, Lord, I'm not so sure that's the right strategy. Oh, wait, wait, time out. There's no question that Mosul is the epitome of wickedness. I mean, in the story here, Nineveh has a long history of darkness, actually. Horrible spiritual warfare. There's no question about it. I mean, God hates wickedness. It impacts a generation. It devalues life. It impacts future generations. He hates wickedness. He'll judge wickedness. There's no doubt about that. But he says to you, look, here's the concern I have. There's 120,000 kids in Mosul. Yeah, you got this ISIS thing. Hey, what about the next generation? What about the kids? What about future generation? Look, I want you to get up and I want you to go and I want you to deliver my message. Now, do you immediately sense a conflict in your heart? You have a little bit of mix of fear and discomfort and inconvenience and you're even questioning the strategy. All right, I think that's fair to say. Well, this is a good introduction to Jonah because he too was conflicted. Modern Mosul is ancient Nineveh. And it's important that we have a good understanding of the nature of it. Please go back to verse 1. It begins with a divine instruction calls, calling Jonah to Nineveh. It says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Mattai. And in verse 2, it's basically, get up, Jonah, I have a mission for you. I want you to go to a great city of Nineveh. It's a wicked city. It's a great city. I want you to give a message. It's a message of repentance. It's like repent or perish. And the reason is because you have all this horrible injustice and devaluing of life, and I want you to be a part of the solution. And in verse 3, notice verse 3 begins with the word but. Let me just tell you something. In the Bible, if the next word after but is God, it's generally a good thing. If it's something else, sometimes it's not the best thing. In this case, it's but, can someone tell me? Jonah, okay, no, this is not good. What are you doing? Jonah, you are running from this. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the, can someone tell me, presence of the Lord. Oh, that's a run. No one wins right there. No, 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 no. You don't want to to run from the Lord. Why? Because he's some whacked out authoritarian figure or something? No, of course not. Because he's perfect love. He's perfect justice. You don't want to be in disharmony with that. You don't want to be off dancing and soloing and and running in the exact opposite. That's that's like the epitome of self-destruction and self-demise. And of course, dishonors God and hurts other people. But listen, can you relate to any of this? Can you relate to what Jonah may be feeling here? Would you believe it if I told you that while the book is entitled Jonah, in many ways, you could cross out his name here. You could insert your name. It's true. (laughs) That's not to say there's not a historic Jonah. I'm not trying to make some Jonah some fairy tale or story or metaphor. No, I'm convinced there's a historic Jonah. He's an 8th century prophet. But I'm telling you right now, Jonah was created by God, you were created by God. Jonah was created by God to know the Lord God of Israel, so were you. Jonah was under construction, so you are. And I'm telling you right now, the Lord is after every one of our hearts. No, it's true, he's after the center of who we are. You know, the way we think, the choices that we make, how we view past, present, and future. But, but there's a tension, isn't it? Because seriously, now listen, if you were called to go to Mosul, there's a conflict there. All the, I'm telling you, I, there was a conflict in my heart. I would be fearful. I would wonder if I'd see my wife and my children. I mean, there's a conflict. Is there not a conflict in all of our hearts? And, and I just, is that really the best strategy? Couldn't we just do a website and try to project? I mean, you know, do we have to really go? I mean, I'm questioning the strategy. I want to bring this a little closer to home to kind of help us with the dynamics at play. Like Jonah, and I'm going to put this up on the screen. I want to show you this. The word of the Lord has actually come to us and identified the most important realities of life. And if you're writing notes or you have the notes from this morning, you want to fill this in, all right? Like, here's, here's what it is. Number one, who God is. Like, the Lord has revealed himself. Can I hear an amen to that? Who he is? He's triune in nature Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Number two, God's plan in Christ, which is phenomenal. We are studying the book of Ephesians, doesn't get better than that, to understand the plan of God in Christ. Number three, he's revealed his will for your life that transforms us and ultimately creates all things new in Jesus. Here's the thing, just like Jonah, like when the word of the Lord comes to us, of who he is the plan of god in christ his will for our lives as we embrace transforms us ultimately creating all things new and jesus we face a decision we face the decision what are we going to do with it i mean jonah faced the word of the lord came to the word of the lord comes to us the word of the lord's coming to you maybe you're here for the first time i'm telling you the word of the lord's come to you there's a Nineveh the lord has for you there's his will for you. It's to know him first. It's to embrace Christ as Savior and Lord. We face a decision. Here's what's at stake, okay? I'm trying to encapsulate this. Watch this. Number one, here's what's at stake. Let's just keep being, moving to the next. Thank you. Your relationship and harmony with God's at stake. Because if it's like you blow off the word of the Lord, oh, you're stepping out of harmony with Almighty God. That's not a good thing to do. Now you're self-diagnosing and self-managing. That's not a good thing to do. You were created and made to be under the management of the Lord. Can I hear an amen to that? Watch this. Here's what's at stake. Just trying to capture this. Regeneration or degeneration in your life. Growth or a downward spiral in your life. Guarantee it. It's either better or bitter in your life. That's what's at stake. Regeneration or degeneration. I'm I'm giving a summation of these things. Third thing is, just trying to capture the idea, your influence upon others, good, bad, or ugly. What I do with the word of God has big impact upon my life because it impacts my relationship with the Lord. It impacts my relationship with others. It has to do with whether or not I am growing, whether there's regeneration or healing and transformation, and it's, you know, to the person that God intended me to be, or there's degeneration in my life. And ultimately, let me tell you, the battleground is your heart. And that's what the Lord is after. He's after your heart, the center of who you are, your intellectual, volitional, emotional life. Man, he wants to conquer your heart. Well, that's a good thing, because if he doesn't conquer you, then then your own heart will bring you down. If you freeze frame verse 1 through 3, and I have this in your notes, we see, and, and I want you to really hear this, okay? Jonah's life was actually a projection of his heart. Like Jonah, your world is a projection of your own heart. If your heart is informed by fear, then your world gets smaller, but your problems get bigger. If your heart is informed by faith, which is like, okay, I believe in the true and living God, then the possibilities, if you will, in the moment, in your family, with your neighbor, they get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Let me say it again. Jonah's life was a projection of his heart. It was like he was asked to do something. No, 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 no. Full of fear, disobedience. Don't want other people to enjoy the Lord. This is going to take me out of the comfort zone. No, stop. Oh, wait a second. Listen, Jonah, let me tell you something. The worst thing to do is run from the word of God. It's a run that no one wins. We're going to talk about it's always downhill. It hurts innocent people. It always leads to death. No, no, look, I'm telling you right now, the Lord's after you, Jonah. Oh, he's after Nineveh. There's no doubt. Nineveh has never reached unless you're reached. No one's ever evangelized unless our heart is won by Jesus. Can I hear an amen to that? It's true. No, we don't love our neighbors and left. the love of Jesus Christ has conquered us. I mean, man, he's after you. He loves you. And the ministry is about you. He's awesome. we have the greatest papa there could ever be. And his training is perfect in our life. But again, Jonah's life is a projection of his own heart. Like Jonah, your world is a projection of your own heart. And if your heart is informed by love, then you're investing, for example, in the greatest realities of life that will never end. Oh, one of my favorite lyricists, John Foreman, Switchfoot lead singer, has a song, Is This the World You Want?, Because you're making it every day you're alive. Because the world has so much to do with your own heart. It's a projection of your own heart. Can you see how important therefore the battleground of your heart is? Can you see how important it is that the Lord then conquers your heart? Can you see how important it is that you then cooperate with Him? Oh, it's so important. Hey, let's pick it up here. Look at verse one. Go back. We're going to go through this. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, who was Jonah? You want to jot this down. He was an eighth century prophet to the tri- to the northern tribes in Israel, to the 10 tribes to the north. And he came from an area near Nazareth. So really the Pharisees were wrong when they said no prophet arises from the Galilee because Jonah was a Galilean. But the idea that the word of the Lord came to Jonah is so beautiful, it is so totally worth underscoring because the Lord is a communicator. You know, a lot of when we think of communication, we think of oral or verbal communication, so maybe you're here for the first time and you think, you know, one of the problems I have with Christians is they think they actually hear God talking to them and stuff. And um, you know, well, let me just say this. Historically, the Lord actually did audibly, the father did communicate at the at the Lord's baptism, at his son's baptism. This is my beloved son whom I'm well pleased. But, but, but pause here for a second. I mean, obviously communication goes beyond something that's oral or audible. Would you not agree with that? I mean, a lot, of our, a lot of our communication is electronic. So there's actually no, nothing said from the mouth. It's actually just transmitted from the head. It's communicated electronically. And I just want to say to my precious bride up here, I've been married to her for 29 years. She can, thank you so much. Thank you, Stephanie, so much. Here's the thing. She can communicate with to me with her eyes. Like, ding, 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 I'm happy. Don't do that. You know, just with the eyes. I mean, it it is awesome. But the thing is, is that the Lord is a communicator. And if you're here for the first time, get this. He's communicated in a progressive way. It's called progressive revelation. God, Hebrews 1 says, who at various times and in various ways spoken times past to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his son whom he has appointed heir of all things through whom also he made the world who being in the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person upholding all things by the word of his power when he had led him When he had by himself purged our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty and I. Look, God has spoken in many ways and many times, but in these last days, he's revealed himself in the person of the Lord Jesus. Now pause here for a second. I want you to understand, Hebrews chapter one, one through three doesn't say in these last days, okay, he's spoken to us by Muhammad. No, no, listen, listen, that's not true. Or he's spoken to us by Jehovah's Witnesses. Or he's spoken to us by Joseph Smith Or the No, no, no. No. God, who at various times, in various ways, spoken times past through the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his, everybody say it, son. Oh, man. Glory be to God. It doesn't get better than the Lord Jesus. You say, what about speaking to us today? Oh, man, he does. No doubt about it. In other words, the Holy Spirit will take his word as he's doing right now and it'll bring application to our lives. This is not, listen, this is not like, you know, some classroom here and just putting some equations up and they're just dead. No, the word of God is alive. The Lord is alive. He is here in our midst. He's speaking to us through his word. Can I hear an amen to that? Verse two, watch this. Arise, get up, go to Nineveh. That great city, now we're talking a 500-mile journey to the north. Jonah, you're in the Galilee. I want you to go 500 miles northeast to the capital of Syria. It's a population of about 600,000, perhaps the largest city at that particular time, founded by Nimrod, the great-grandson of Noah. And I mean, this is a great city. There are two major walls and an interior wall of six miles, an external wall of a circumference of 60 miles. It's a great city. It's a great city of the day. And look at verse two. Cry out against it. It, For their wickedness has come up before me. Hey, when the Lord says wickedness here has come up before, it's no small thing. How many of you remember in Ephesians chapter six when Paul is addressing spiritual battles that exist? Of course, the major influences in the world are behind the scenes. The devil is not behind every bush, but let me tell you, there are unseen personalities that influence this world. There's no doubt about it. And, and one of the ways they're identified is they're identified as, as wickedness. The Greek is porneria, which tells us that satanic influence inspires a desire to harm other people. Look, anything that pulls life down, devalues human beings, I'm telling you, at its origin is satanic. God created us in his image. Can I hear another amen to that? Life is beautiful. Life is a gift. For God so loved the world that he gave his only... Because of that. Influences that pull life, devalue our fellow man. It's just in origin is a doctrine of demons. Now, I'm going to read from you some, some ancient descriptions of the terror that took place in Nineveh. Because it's just so interesting. Actually, Nineveh modern-day Nineveh is Mosul. And and you can just Google, I was reading all these newspaper articles, the craziness that's happening, the cutting of limbs, the crucifixions. I mean, it just breaks my heart. I mean, I don't want to take a lot of time on it. But what I'm going to read to you actually is actually descriptions of the terror that was taking place 28, 3,000 years ago. I cut off their heads and formed them into pillars. We're talking about the stuff taking place in Nineveh. You guys tracking with this word Listen, Bubo, son of Bubba, I flayed in the city of Arbella. I spread his skin upon the city wall. I flayed all the chief men who had revolted. I covered the pillar with their skins. I cut off the limbs of the officers, royal officers who had rebelled. 3,000 captives I burned with fire. I mean, look, I could go on and on and on. I mean, does it speak to us that there are regions of the world man? you got some major satanic stronghold. I believe so. I believe so. When you read that, does that not anger you or what? I mean, that's descriptions of like thousands of years ago and yet what I just read to you, you can read it. I mean, I don't I hate for you to read it, but that's descriptions of what's taking place today in what is modern day Nineveh in the city of Mosul. And it just angers us, doesn't it? And let me tell you, judgment is coming. But I'll tell you a pattern you see in Scripture. The Lord always extends grace before judgment. And you see that in Canaan, 400 years to repent. You see that in Egypt, the Lord gave him opportunity to repent. You see that in Nineveh, a century later, after this, after the city of Nineveh actually like repents and turns to the true and living God. After a hundred years after that, the Lord raises up Nahum the prophet and just says, basically, you guys have gone back to your old ways and you know what? The Lord is gonna bring judgment. But he first extends grace. We see it in Israel. Hey, what about our own country? I'm not a prophet. I foretell the gospel of Jesus Christ. But my goodness gracious, our country is of an extent of so much grace. There's, there's, there's such a devalue of life here in our country. I don't even want to get into the details. It's just, it's just a bummer. Major devaluing of women, major devaluing of, of life and children. What about the children? What about the children in the womb? I mean, my you know, we think crazy stuff's happening in Mosul. Crazy stuff's happening in our own country. There, there's, the Lord has given our country, given the world, really. It's just not about our country. The world, time to repent. It's time to repent. It's time to repent. And he's not willing that any should perish, but that all come to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in verse three, it says, but Jonah arose to flee. Jonah, why are you fleeing? Is it because 500 miles is a long way? It's a difficult job, maybe. Is it because, Jonah, you don't don't want Nineveh to have a second chance. I mean, it would be like, be like calling a Jewish friend during World War II. Look, I want you to go, and I want you to go to like to Munich and find Hitler and just tell him by divine authority, the Lord will give you a second. I mean, after the, con- I mean, the concentration camps, you've got millions of, people. yeah, I want you to go give him a second chance. It's not just speaking as a Jewish perspective, but any of us here, were like, we're on the first boat to Hong Kong. It's like, no way. It's like, I don't want Hitler to have a second chance. Can anybody relate to this? <laughs> It's like, no, I want judgment, you know. It's like, that. this is everything. Is it that he just does not want Nineveh? Nineveh is a threat to Israel. Nineveh is a horrible place, godless. He's just like, no, Lord. It's like the Gehenna with them as far as I'm concerned, you know. It's like, I want you to judge them. I'm just reminded of, you know, James and John when... They were affronted by that city in Samaria and they turned to Jesus and said, you know, Lord, you know, why don't you call fire down from heaven and just torch these liberals type of thing. You know what I mean? It's like, that's not the spirit of the Father. But we can feel that conflict in our hearts, can't we? Remember, the world is a projection of your own heart. And we need to ask, why don't we go? Like, go where? Well, how about? Just cross the street. Because, like, there's a mission field here. Can I hear an amen to that? It's like, hey, man, Mosul, yeah. Yeah, Europe, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, Auburn, like Placer County, how about? Just moving like yourself a little bit over to the next cubicle at work or just simply saying, I'm available, Lord. Use me in the church. Use me in my family. Is it because our hearts are small and we self-protect, avoid discomfort? Is it because we are puppets of peer pressure? And yeah, political correctness. Oh, we don't like political correctness in the political arena. But are we afraid to take a stand for Jesus Christ and be unashamed of him in our culture? Do, do we think, do we think that it's not going to offend people? I mean, do you think we can give the gospel that wouldn't sting a little bit? I and mean, the call is to repent. The call is you're running from, the, from God. You need to turn. You need to turn to him. You need to turn to the arms of love. There needs to be conviction there. You know, Jesus said you must deny yourself. Pick up the, can someone tell me, cross. Well, look. 2,000 years ago, the cross was the lowest form of execution. Rapists, murderers, people who were outcasts for people on the cross. Jesus is basically saying, I'm telling you right now, you live in a broken world, a world that needs love, needs righteousness, needs the Lord at the core. And I'm telling you, if you follow me, then you have to prepare yourself to be seen as the minority. Boy, we need the help of the Holy Spirit. Church family, look, in 2016, let's take a stand. Let's say, you know what, I'm I'm just going to be a a genuine disciple of Jesus. I'm going to deny myself. It's not about my agenda. It's about his. Can I hear an amen to that? And you know what, I'm willing to take a stand if no one comes. But I'm going to need your help, Lord, because we need the help of his Holy Spirit. We take that stand, how important it is. If we're going to be like an Isaiah says, here I am, Lord, send me before he even was given his marching orders, the only hope is, man, we really see Jesus for who he is and we have the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. Where is Jonah headed? Verse three, he's headed to Tarshish. And Greek historian Herodotus identified it As a merchant city in southern Spain, it's not totally for sure, but he's heading west. He's heading the exact opposite direction. And in verse three, it tells us from the presence of the Lord. As I said, that's one run, no one wins. And if you're taking notes, I want to show you something here. Let me tell you what this run always looks like. It's always downhill. Notice verse three, he went down to Joppa. That's the... That's the um, oh, I'm having a port city. Excuse me of the day. Today it's it was Caesarea during first thing. But he goes down the job so he's north. He's going down to the coast. Watch too. It comes with great cost because it tells us he found a ship going to Tarsus. So he paid the fare and he went into it. And and to go with him to Tarsus from the presence of the Lord. Pause there for a second. Watch, look. Anyone who runs from the Lord and, and, and maybe coming here this morning, that was you. But you know what? I don't believe that's going to be you before you leave here. So you want to turn around. Can I hear an amen to that, right? You don't want to run from him, right? Because it's always down, 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 down. And it always costs something. And the cost is big. Now, for Jonah, I, I, when he got his ticket and he got on the boat, maybe he's thinking, this is not too bad. I mean, I, I got a divine call to go 500 miles in the exact op, opposite direction, but I'm, I'm, I'm running away from God. But it's not bad. I got in a boat. I mean, you know, it, th- things are looking pretty good. That's the deceptiveness of sin. Okay, we think we can manage it. We think we can manage compromise. I don't know, look. I mean, maybe... You know, you've been flirting with something you should not be flirting with. I don't know if it's a person. I don't know if it's some form of compromise. And you think it's not that big of a deal. You can't manage sin. You have to understand sin is not your friend. I guarantee you it will morph. I guarantee you will lose control. And you may be thinking, no, I think I got control. You don't have control. The Lord knows best. Father knows best. So he's thinking, oh, I got I got on the boat, everything's fine. No, it actually isn't. The Bible makes it very clear. Your sin will find you out. That's why as soon as you repent of it, the better. Number three, it hurts innocent people. It says, but the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. And then the mariners were afraid. You know, the core problem was a man who was running from God and that's why the storm existed. And number four, it always leads to death. Ultimately, they picked Jonah up, they threw him in the sea. We're gonna be talking about this in the weeks ago. I personally believe he died and was resurrected. Some theologians don't believe it, that's fine. It's not, it's not a really big deal. But it, it, either way, he's like in that sea, man, type of death, it always leads to death. The wages of sin is death. The downward spiral of a person who runs from God, boy, it's not worth it. It's always downhill. It's going to cost you big time. Your sin will find you out. It hurts innocent people, hurts family members, hurts your wife, hurts your husband, hurts your children, and it always leads to death. And verse five, it tells us, and every man cried out to his God through cargo that was in the ship into the sea to, what's the next word, you guys, to lighten the load. Now that's pragmatic, pragmatic. So in other words, they're thinking, man, this is a bad storm. They are really afraid. These are professional seamen. And so they think the practical thing we could do is alighten the load. And you know, that's, that's a good choice. That's, that's, that's wise. But it's not gonna address the core problem. It kind of reminds me, it reminds me of like psychology versus Christianity. Not throwing all the baby out with the bathwater with psychology. I just wanna make a point. Psychology recognizes that Man is, 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 is just, he's just soul and body. So he's just intellect and body. The Lord recognizes there's three parts to us, body, soul, and spirit. Something died in the garden. There was a brokenness of relationship with God. I, I mean, you know, learning how our, our minds are wired, having better understanding, has its place. Eating properly, learning some balance, fantastic. But the core problem with man is not just lightening the load of the boat, The core problem here was embodied by a man who was in a broken relationship with God. That's the core problem with men. It's broken relationship and Jesus is the only answer. So lightening the boat, it's like, okay, maybe it helped a little bit, but it's not gonna help in the final analysis. And verse five, but Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship, had lain down and was fast asleep. Oh, the sleeper there. Jonah fast asleep. You know the Bible tells us, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 1 through 11. Man, we are living in the last days. We are closer to the return of Jesus than ever before. And we cannot sleep. There's a storm brewing. It's leading to the return of Jesus. Sleeping Christians hide out. Sleeping Christians stay away from the work of the Lord. They don't like prayer meetings. They're desensitized to danger. They're unconcerned that other people are perishing. Are you sleeping? And let's, let's wake up this morning. Can I hear a big amen to that? Uh, check it out. Look at verse six. So the captain came to him and said, well, what do you mean sleeper? arise? Call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. And they said to one another, come, let us cast lots that we may know. For whose cause this trouble has come upon us? So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. And then they said to him, Please tell us, for whose cause has this trouble come upon us? And what is your occupation? And where do you come from? And what is your country? And, and what people are of you? So he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made this sea and the dry land. And then the men were exceedingly afraid and said, Well, what have you done? For the men knew that he had fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. And then they said to him, well, what shall we do to you that the sea may calm for us? For the sea was growing more tempestuous. And he said to them, pick me up, throw me into the sea, and the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is because of me. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to return the land, but they could not for the sea continue to grow more tempestuous against them. Therefore, they cried out to the Lord. We pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life and do not charge us with innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah, threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased. From its raging. Pause here for a second. Why did Jonah. Tell the people. To actually throw him over the board. You know. Why? I think there's two possibilities. Maybe more. I mean does this speak of a man. Who is like so guilt ridden. And he's unrepentant. And what guilt is doing. Is actually causing him. To self inflict if you will. Hey guilt Guilt is a killer, actually. So he's just like, hey, man, just, I mean, you know, the ultimate self-affliction, just throw me over. Um, Maybe. Or, Or did Jonah repent? A lot of Bible students think he is repenting here. And he's saying, throw me over, and I actually believe it will rescue you and maybe even give me a second chance, possibly the Lord will honor it in some way. I don't really know. But verse 16 tells us the men feared the Lord exceedingly, offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great, what's the next word, you guys? Fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. I'm reminded of a story of a young woman who had went to a Christian retreat in the weekend and she received Christ as her Lord and Savior. She was so fired up. She went to work, of course, Monday she told her fellow employees how the Lord had just touched her life in a big way. Her boss just began to mock her. I, I just can't believe you became a Christian. I said, well, She said, I, I, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he gave his life on the cross. I believe he resurrected. I, I believe in him. And you know what? I called upon him and, and, I, and I experienced him. You know, and she just testified in that way, and and he was just furious. He's just like, you you actually believe the Bible? I mean, Jonah and the whale thing. And she says, well, I, I don't really know about that. And, well, Jonah and the whale, this whole thing about this prophet thrown over, swallowed by a whale or something. You know, it's like, you know, you actually believe that? She goes, I don't really know, but I guess one day I'll ask Jonah when I get to heaven. He said, how do you know you're going to get to heaven? How do you know he's not going to be in hell? She said, well, then you ask him. You know, so it's like, all right, well. <laughs> Okay, it's an old joke. It's stupid. Anyways, <laughs> truth be told, it doesn't tell us Jonah was swallowed by a whale. Although a sperm whale does have a mouth, 20 feet long, 15 feet high, 9 feet wide. I don't know if you recently saw that YouTube little video of a guy kayaking and that whale came out of the ocean. No, it was real. I mean, it was... I, oh, well, actually, thank you so much. I mean... That's a big mouth right there, right? I mean, you get an idea. All right, here's the thing. It doesn't tell us this is a whale. Actually, it could be translated a customized fish. Franklin Graham reminded me of this. long Somebody read one of my books and he wrote back and he said, just remember, may not be a whale, customized fish. Hey, it might've had all the Torah, you know, inside. He may have gone in and just been studying a little bit and repenting, I, you know, I don't know. But here's the thing, I, I want us... as as we kind of wrap up and we're not done, I want to underscore three things. And when then we're going to pray, you guys. And and, you know, maybe you'd like to get on your knees or come on up here. We're just going to worship and pray because we need God's help. We need the Holy Spirit. Look, we all face a decision at Joppa, if you will. And it's either going to be a Jonah or a Peter. You say, Greg, what are you talking about? How many of you are tracking here that Jonah was at Joppa it was a place of a decision he gets about he's trying to flee from God do you know thousands of years later Peter's in Joppa he's in the same place the Lord has, shows this vision of a sheet with all these un, non-kosher animals and he said Pete rise up kill and eat eat non-kosher food and, and he ends up saying to the "Lord, not so Lord no way to say I'm a good Jewish boy <laughs> I eat kosher but the Lord really wasn't talking so much about food. He was talking about people. He was preparing him actually for a ministry among the Goyim, the nations. Pete, listen, you, you, I'm gonna go after your heart. First of all, you gotta obey me, Peter, because to say not so, Lord, is an oxymoron. It's like saying jumbo shrimp, you know? It's just its a contradiction, right? You just You don't say no to the Lord. He says value that person. He says get up and go. You go. He's Lord. He's Lord of all. He's not Lord at all. So Peter, it's like, I'm after your heart. Peter, I want you to start like being open for a new work of the Lord in your life. As one person said, grace is more than God opening the door to salvation. It's bringing people in. And the only hope to bring the world, if you will, into our hearts is to have Jesus in our hearts. It's to be like him. It's Christ in us. Can I hear an amen to that? That's the only hope. That's the only. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. It's a work of God. Just like in Brian, making us more like Jesus. I just read this little testimony of a pastor. I can so relate on so many ways. But he said, you know, there's a period I'm reading all of John Maxwell's books on leadership principles and organization and stuff. And he just he just said, you know, finally, man, it's like I, his point was no one can make you a godly influence other than Jesus Himself. You say, maybe it's time we just get on our knees and just say, Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours, Lord. I mean, Lord, it's, it's, it's I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. It's not, not, not I, but Christ lives in me. It's just you. It's an organic work. Lord, help me. Help me, Lord. I need to be like you. I mean, my heart is conflicted with fear and discomfort. So just would you break it? Would you reshape it in the image of Jesus? Isn't that a wonderful thing? And number two, we all have a Nineveh that we are called to. And we've got to remember partial obedience is really disobedience. What is your Nineveh? What is the Lord calling on, on your life? And, f- and finally, number three, Jesus is greater than Jonah. It was Jesus who said that. A greater than Jonah is here. How so? Oh, just glory be to him. Because I'm going to tell you, he threw himself, Jesus threw himself into the sea of God's wrath of sin. He took the sin of the world upon himself. He quelled the storm. He brings shalom with God and with our fellow man and praise be to him. In fact, he told his his generation that it would be a chief sign that he's Messiah not a political or or some type of military triumphalism, but he said, for just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so the son of man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And the men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at what is that telling us? Well, Jesus actually said, look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a killer sign. And in context, he, he, he was basically responding to this idea the Messiah is not gonna come with some Islamic sword, if you will, to Jerusalem and force people to do what's right. He's gonna win our hearts on the cross. He's gonna give himself, he's gonna, he's gonna throw himself into the sea of God's wrath and bear the sin of the world. And three days later, resurrect from that. He's going to conquer the greatest enemies we face sin, hell, and judgment. He's going to build his kingdom one person at a time by winning them from the inside out. And ultimately, one day, the, the, the Lord's glory here on planet Earth at the second coming of Jesus Christ. There's a greater than Jonah, it's the Lord Jesus. And I want to encourage you, church family, look, your life we we're talking about it earlier, it's, it's kind of past, present, and future. It's so important we take a stand this morning. I want you to that, you know, if you have the Lord Jesus, you really have everything. I, I mean, he was he threw himself into the sea. Can I hear an amen to that? And he resurrected, he conquered he creates all things new in himself. And your standing with him is not based on your feelings. It's based on the fact of Christ's atonement on the the cross. You are loved, you are forgiven, and you're free to move forward in the glory of Jesus, in the glory of the kingdom. And I just want to end by saying this. Listen, the Lord wants to give you something this morning. And I would just say, whether you're 15 or 12 or 50 or 80, what he wants to give you really is himself it's true and there's nothing more wonderful than him and if you have him you really have like everything times a billion and he stands at the door of your heart and he knocks he's seeking entrance and the word of the gospel which is what that god loves you that he's reached out to us in the person of Jesus, that he hung, bled, gave his life on the cross, threw himself into the sea of sin, bore the sin of the world, resurrected from that. He is alive. He's coming again. He's true. We can know him. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except to be through me. That's the truth. That's the word of God. Now, what are you going to do with it? Oh, I pray no one would run from that. No one went on. Jesus said, I've come to give life and that more abundantly. The Bible says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Today, if you hear the voice of God, harden not your heart. Will you open your heart to him? Will you turn to him? said, Greg, what must I do? Recognize what he's done for you. Not he created you, but he's reached out to you in Christ. Hey, repent. Turn from a self-centered life to a God-centered life. Three, receive him. He really is just a prayer away. Will you call upon him? Say, Lord, come into my life, be my Savior, be my Lord, be my God. Oh, man, that'd be awesome.